We have several Christian radio stations, but the two prominent stations are KSBJ and KHCB. And at Christmas time, these stations dedicate their airtime to playing Christmas music. If you turn in, uh, tuned in, you you heard music and still are hearing music today, even this morning as we were driving to church. They're playing Christmas music. And you'll hear that music talk about bells. Bells, okay? Uh, bells announce the coming or arrival of an event, an activity, or an occasion. You've heard it and seen it on the movies when they're ringing the bells in the old times going, Hear ye? What? Hear ye. There's a making an announcement. Bells are rung to announce the union of a man and woman. That used to be the way it was at weddings. You know, the wedding bells would be playing as they were walking out. They are rung during the Christmas time to announce the arrival of the season, to proclaim the birth of Christ. And in fact, you heard some songs like Silver Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bell Rock, Carol of the Bells. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Even this non-Christmas song that they play every year at Christmas called Sleigh Ride, where it says, just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ringling, jingling. You got that. Okay. Ding dong merrily on high. You ever heard of that one? It basically says, in heaven the bells are ringing. Another one, caroling, caroling. Christmas bells are ringing. Here comes Santa Claus, even has bells are ringing. And then, of course, the old famous... I'm dreaming of a white Christmas where he's longing to hear sleigh bells in the snow, right? And then Brother Philip's favorite, come on, ring those bells, right? So we got those, uh, those songs that are played about bells. But the question to ask today, what happens after Christmas? What happens when the bells go silent for a year? What do we do? Well, these radio stations go back to regular programming. That begs the question, but what do we do? So I want to give you some practical suggestions based upon this passage that we are going to read right now. So if you'd follow me in verse 21, chapter 2 of Luke. It says, At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to you, your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, 
This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, So we're looking at this passage. One of the things that we can glean is this, of how to live after Christmas, after the bells have gone silent. First thing is this, continue to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, that was in the law of God that the male needed to be circumcised, the Jewish male on the eighth day. Joseph and Mary continued to walk in obedience, and it says that they gave his name Jesus. They were told to do that, therefore they did. And the angel, uh, and it says, and when the time had come, verse 22, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. These were all things that good Jewish people obeyed and continually obeyed at that present time. That is something that comes from Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people Israel, saying, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of the foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her menstruation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for 66 days. And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of the meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering, and she shall offer it before the Lord to make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. So what we have here in this scripture passage is that Joseph and Mary were absolutely obedient to Christ even after he was born. Now, why do I say that? Because you think about it, here is the Holy Son of God born into your household. That should take care of everything, right? That should be it, you know? Hey, are you not, you're not keeping the law of Moses? I don't have to, I've got Jesus right here. He's gonna take care of this. You know, and uh, no, that's not what it's talking about. They still had to perform the law of God in righteousness, and that is exactly what they did. They were very obedient and did exactly what they were commanded to do. You know that we are to keep commandments as well. Now, we are not under the law, but we are still under the moral law. We're not under the ceremonial law. We don't have to go through these kind of things, 
but we do have to obey the moral law of God. And the moral law of God was given first in the Ten Commandments. There are those that are within Christianity that says we don't have to obey any laws. We don't have to be bound by the Old Testament. Well, folks, we understand that, that we're not bound to those ceremonial laws. But for the moral law, let's ask this question. Are you supposed to murder? No. Are you supposed to lie? No. Are you supposed to steal? No. Are you supposed to blaspheme the name of the Lord God? No. Those are all Old Testament things that carried over into the New Testament. And so we are to be continually obedient to God because of this, not under the law, but we are known through Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled the law, and if he is in us, he's working that out in our sanctification in us to be obedient to him. And so What we do after Christmas, continue to be obedient to Christ. In fact, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, in that same chapter, he said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered to him and says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will, we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. Well, this is this guys. This is basic an indictment of Christianity today, uh, an indictment on this. Here's what I meant mean by this. It says, verse twenty four: Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And one of the plagues that we have had within Christianity and is still going on today is that we pray a prayer and we're good to go. We're good to go. You can live however you want to. But as long as you pray that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, you're good to go. It's interesting, the reason I say it's going on today, my father-in-law told me a story. He greets at a church, a church by his name I won't mention, but he greets at a church every Sunday morning, even at 92 years old. He is a greeter standing out at his church greeting people that came in. This church had a Christmas program. The program was given on a Thursday night for senior adults. Now, get this. For senior adults, they could come free. The rest of the public had to pay for the price of the admission. Okay, nothing wrong with that. That helps them uh, offset, I guess, the expenses of this little thing. But guess what they did? For the senior adults, the special program depicting the birth of Jesus Christ was hip-hop artist singing Christmas songs and presenting this. Senior adults listening to hip-hop. You'd be attracted to that, wouldn't you? You'd want to come. <laughs> so afterwards, he said, he was so incensed that he, he basically left because after this presentation of a hip-hop presentation, the pastor stood up and said, you basically have heard the story of Jesus, and I know that there are some here that don't know Christ, but you can know Christ. But there wasn't any preaching of repentance. There wasn't any preaching of why Jesus came to die for sins. He just says, and this is how you can do it, and led them in a prayer. And after the prayer was over, 
He said, if you've prayed that prayer, would you take your phone and turn your flashlight on and hold it up for everybody to see? And my father-in-law said, there was hundreds there. And as he saw the lights, he said, well, let me welcome you to the family of God. Problem with that. What did Jesus come preaching? Very first words he said, repent for the kingdom of God is him. But this message didn't have any kind of repentance. It didn't have any of those kind of things. It basically was a ticket, quote unquote, to heaven. And even my father-in-law recognized it at 92 years old. How many of those people walked out of there with this assurance because he welcomed them to the family of God that they are now Christians and they're just going to go ahead and live like they want to live. But Jesus said this, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. You see, when you come to Christ... You have a new loyalty, a new obedience. You have a new life. You want to obey what God has to say. You want to keep his words. John 15 goes on and says the same thing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What happens when we obey the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ? We have joy and joy to the fullest. And we read a couple of weeks ago in John, 1 John, and by this we know we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Do you know how those folks who held up that phone, how Someone is going to know that they actually became a Christian? It says right here, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So if they're following keep the commandments of Christ, then we know that they're truly Christian. So we should walk and continue in in obedience to him. Number two that we glean from this is we continue to give what is rightfully God's. We continually continue to give what is rightfully God's. Verse 23 and 24, it says, Every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Joseph and Mary were not rich people. There has been a teaching that has been floating around some of the charismatic circles, the prosperity preachers, saying that Joseph and Mary were very rich and Jesus was born into a rich household. Folks, that is not true. Joseph and Mary were not people of means. They were poor. We know that in Numbers 18, that everything, it says, that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn... Of man you shall redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem, and and their redemption price at a month old you shall redeem them. You shall fix at five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. Okay, now here's what that means. Joseph and Mary were coming to present Jesus as the firstborn. 
they were coming to him and they had to, according to the temple law, give those five shekels. That was a lot of money. Oftentimes, people had to save up for a year to be able to just give five shekels to pay for this. Now you think about this. They're coming to Jerusalem. They have to come in. They're coming from out of town. They're gonna have those expenses of not being in town. This was something that was going to tax them tremendously. Yet, it says that they brought a sacrifice. They brought a sacrifice even from their poverty. Notice what they did. This is what it says in the Old Testament. It says, when the days of her purifying are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering and she shall offer it before the Lord to make atonement for her. This is talking about coming and being ceremonial clean, pronounce that after the birth of a son or a daughter. It says, then she shall be clean from their flow of blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female, And if she cannot afford a lamb, notice what it says. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So what did Mary bring? Well, she either brought a pair of turtle doves or a pair of pigeons because they could not afford a lamb to give. What they've done, though, is even out of their poverty, they gave. Even out of their poverty, they gave. I don't know how many young people I have counseled over the years about the joy of giving because because they'll look at their finances and they will say, we just don't have any money to be able to give to the church. But when we examine their budget and they allow me to examine their budget with them, now oftentimes they'll do that, you will find cell phones and gym memberships and you, you will find cable bills and you will find all kinds of things that spent on their pleasures and then they look at it at the end of the month and say, we just don't have anything to give to God. Well, folks, this is, this is a matter of priority. What is of importance and so one of the things that we need to understand is that we need to be obedient and to adjust to, to what God asked of us. They knew, Mary, Joseph and Mary, what God had asked for. Bring these offerings. And so what do we do? We need to continue to do that too. And if you need to adjust your budget, if you are not giving because you're saying, I can't afford it, folks, you can, you can not afford not to. Here's the reason being is because God says it's more blessed to give and receive and he loves a cheerful giver and he's going to reward it back so that you continue to give. So let me encourage you to do that which is required by the Lord to give as Joseph and Mary did. What do you do after the bells become silent? Continue to give to God what's rightfully his. Third thing, live with the understanding of the obligation to dedicate your children and grandchildren to the Lord. You see, they came up and brought him according to the Levitical law. They were dedicating him to the Lord. They weren't dedicating him to the priesthood. They weren't doing that because that was only for the tribe of Levi. If you look in the Old Testament, Levi, the tribe of Levi were the priests. They were given their first sons to that priesthood. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. 
So what they were doing is they were dedicating his life to God in obedience to the command of Scripture. That is what we are to do as well. If you're a young parent here, understand, you need to dedicate your children to God because it's your responsibility to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. Whether they're little babies or they are in high school or whatever, their college, and it absolutely can continue as you realize that you never quit parenting your kids until you go to be with Jesus. So we are to then bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. That is our responsibility. And that's what we're doing here at the church. That's what we're having Brother Philip do as our family pastor. He is encouraging our young adults, our young families, all our families to bring people and children up in the admonition of the Lord. That's why we have a weekly worship guide. If you've never seen that, it's in your bulletin. This is what we're doing. We are helping you to bring your children up in the admonition of the Lord. So that's what we are to do. But not only that, we are to continue to live in joyful expectation of the coming of the Lord each and every day. If you go to verse 25, you will look and see what it begins to, begins to speak about Simeon. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The consolation of Israel comes from Isaiah. That word consolation means comfort. Isaiah preaches comfort ye comfort ye my people and then he talks about a messiah that is going to be given so here's Simeon in the temple constantly waiting for the revealing of the messiah one of the things we can pull from that as well is that we should have that joyful expectation as well understand this it had been revealed to him by special revelation verse 26 that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. So what was he doing? He's watching, he's waiting. So should we. God is expanding his kingdom. So we should be watching and waiting and believing that he is going to return. And that also drives us to live holy lives before him, devout lives just like Simeon. So we should continue to expect the Lord Jesus Christ to come. Fifth thing we can do is to continue to walk in the Spirit. It says Simeon was what? In the Spirit. When he went to the temple, he was in the Spirit. That gives us some practical application is that when we come to church to come to worship the living God, we should come before we get here where you're driving up here to this place, begin to ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit of God. Ask the Lord to control your thoughts and to bring every thought into captivity on the Lord Jesus Christ so we can worship him in spirit and in truth. So we should continue to walk in the spirit and ask for the spirit's help as we come into this place to worship God. But we're also to continue to live our lives standing on the promises of God. Verse 26 says that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. That was a promise. That was a promise to him. And he believed it. He was looking. So also practically, it's our obligation to stand upon the promises of God. 
I want you to read, I want to read something for you just real quickly from Spurgeon. There's a little book. If you don't have it, I've, I've told you about this before, but it's called the checkbook of the bank of faith. The checkbook of the bank of faith. Devotions, small devotions. Doesn't take long to read these things and uh, for 365 days a year. But this is what he says. A promise from God may very instructively be compared to a check payable to order. It is given to the believer with the view of bestowing upon him some good thing. It is not meant that he should read over it comfortably and then have done with it. No, he is to treat the promise as a reality, as a man treats a check. He is to take the promise, endorse it with his own name by personally receiving it as true. He is by faith to accept it as his own. He sets his seal that God is true and true as to this particular word of promise. He goes further and believes that he has the blessing in having the sure promise of it and therefore he puts his name to it to testify to the receipt of the blessing. When this is done, he must believingly present the promise to the Lord as a man presents a check at the counter of a bank. He must plead it by prayer, expecting to have it fulfilled. If he has come to heaven's bank at the right date, he will receive the promised amount at once. If the date should happen to be further on, he must patiently wait until its arrival. But meanwhile, he may count the promise as money for the bank is sure to pay when the due time arrives. I think that's a good word for us. Simeon was told, we're not told when he was told this, that he would not see death, but we know that he continued to watch and to wait and to, to walk in the Spirit and stand upon that promise. It was going to happen. We need to do the same thing too. When you're reading the Word of God and you see a promise of God and you see it and you say, Lord, that's for me today. That is absolutely for me. You are revealing yourself to me through your word. I am going to stand on that promise. That means we believe it and we stand upon it and we continue to stand upon it until that promise is fulfilled. I remember reading the story of George Mueller praying for a man for 52 years that he would come to Christ. 52 years. He said, I did not cease from praying for this man, but I knew from the scripture and received a promise from the Lord that that man was going to be saved. And at the end of 52 years, the man trusted Christ as his savior. So we continue to stand upon the promises of God, whether we'll see them tomorrow fulfilled or we're gonna see them 52 years from now. Stand upon the promises of God. Last thing I want to share with you this morning, just real quickly, is this. Continue to give thanks and share the gospel. Continue to give thanks and share the gospel. We go down this passage and we look and we see that we have Anna, this prophetess, and she did not depart from the temple, worshiping, fasting, prayer, and prayer night and day. Notice what it says at that, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Understand, what was she doing? She was fulfilling what Psalm 50 told the Jews to fulfill. 
In other words, Psalm 50 says, here's what you need to do. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto me. That's what the Jews would do. They would offer thanks. They even had a, a, uh, a ceremony where they gave an offering unto the Lord and spent a day of it just giving thanks to God. And so what she has done is she is saying, I began giving thanks, first of all, to God. This is nothing that was man-made. This is something that God gave. He gave his son. He was born. It was revealed to them. So she gave thanks, first and foremost, that sacrifice. She offered it to the Lord. And then she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I think that's great practical, practical uh, help for us. We should continue to give thanks every day. Think about this. Jesus tells us that we should give thanks. When he broke bread, he gave thanks. Paul tells us to give thanks in everything. He also says in all things, give thanks. In every circumstance, he says, pray for all men, giving thanks to the Father. So we are continually told that we should give thanks, and thanksgiving should be on our hearts and our minds, but it also should be the opportunity to share the gospel, especially to your children, dear parents. Share the gospel with your children. If you have not, please make it a point to share the gospel. Sit down with them, get eye to eye with them and say, I want to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Talk with them about it. Let them know, share the gospel with them. Help them to understand who Jesus is. I know my wife's father led her to the Lord. Did he? Yeah, led her to the Lord. He had five kids, and he personally sat down with each one of them to talk to them about the relationship that they had with the, or did not have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Share the gospel with your children. Even if they are small, babies, whatever, read to them, talk to them. Share with them. Use everything you can as an illustration of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all need the gospel whether we're saved or not. We need to repeat it to ourselves continually. So share the gospel, especially with your children. Share it. Tell everyone. So these are just some practical things, folks, that we get from the scripture according to the birth of Jesus Christ and after the birth of Jesus Christ that we can then follow and we can continue till next Christmas until the bells ring again at Christmas time. We continue to do these things and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his excellent word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to look into your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to apply these lessons that we receive from Joseph, from Mary, from Simeon, from Anna. Thank you that you've placed them in your scripture so that we can follow their example to give thanks, to share the gospel, to live accordingly, live holy lives, to live in obedience to your commands. Help us, O oh Lord, to shine a light by living these things out each and every moment of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name.